Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Courtney McLean. Courtney is a PhD candidate at Monash University where they are conducting research to determine the association between veganism, vegetarianism and eating disorders. Courtney is also developing a validated novel eating disorder tool for these groups which we will discuss today. Hello Courtney. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to have you. I am super excited to speak to you today and I, I just love the fact that literally like I put a thing on Twitter like, anyone want to come on the podcast and then your <laughs> colleague was like yeah I do and and all of like these people that I know at Monash <laughs> want to come as well and it's just so nice that I'm able to reach people like literally the other side of the world yeah yeah well we're absolutely happy to support and, and be a part yeah no it's really cool um so very excited to speak to you about your PhD so where where did that idea come from? What were your motivations for looking at veganism and vegetarian and the link to eating disorders? Yeah, it's quite a funny story, actually. Mm-hmm. I um, turned vegetarian when I uh, first started university. Um, and then I went on to do my honours after undergrad looking at eating disorders. And at around about that same time, I also decided to be vegan myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came towards the end of my fourth year, so my honours year, and I decided that I definitely the research pathway was definitely for me. I loved uh, researching eating disorders. It was a true passion of mine. And then kind of the side identity as a vegan was also, I was quite passionate about that. Mm-hmm. And I joined a number of like vegan Facebook groups, like vegans in Australia or Melbourne, or there's there's honestly so many out there. Um, and I came across a post from someone who was posting about their personal eating disorder experience online on this kind of public forum about how they in order to get treatment for their eating disorder they were being required to um eat meat again mm-hmm. and as someone who had kind of no exposure to that side of the eating disorder field um and as a vegan myself that that was really quite shocking to me um and for a lot of people on the post that was truly shocking I think that's kind of one of the worst things um, that I guess a vegan can kind of think of as being made to, mm-hmm. to eat meat in order to get recovery. And that person was saying, I don't want to get treatment if this is the only pathway for me. Mm-hmm. And there was lots of discussion on this post. A lot of people saying, well, you know, veganism is about doing what's practical, what's you know, reasonable within the realms of what you've got at the moment. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's not kind of like a strict um Like there's no kind of rules. Um, So it was kind of a toy up between a lot of these different comments. And so I went and searched for literature um, kind of with my my research hat on at that point to see where kind of the eating disorder field sat on this topic. Um, And there was 
not a lot of actual published literature out there. There was a lot of kind of discussions around, um, you know, anecdotally seeing a lot of vegetarian and vegan people um, in in treatment and that type of thing, um, but the research really just wasn't there. Um, and that's when, yeah, I, I wanted to go kind of full throttle into that that topic um, and find a supervisor who would who would support me in researching this topic further. Yeah, and I think it, it is such an interesting concept. And like when um, when you came and, and told me about the, the PhD that you were doing, I was like thinking in my head about where I stand on it um because mm. I when I did my master's we had a lecture also on like um veganism and vegetarianism mm. and in eating disorder recovery and I think it's an interesting one and it almost in my mind you know originally um the, what the lecturer said to me was like it's all about when someone became vegan or vegetarian mm. so you know if they became vegan or vegetarian you know they've done it all of their life or like they did it way before their eating disorder then you can you can potentially say, you know, that that's okay. But if somebody did it during their eating disorder, that's not. But to me, that didn't feel like a good enough answer because, you know, mm. in, in separate to an eating disorder, you are still living your life and you know, things could crop up in your life. And you think, yeah, actually, I want to go vegan and vegetarian. And I think it actually is more about the intentions behind it. But then it's so hard because an eating disorder is so manipulative and yeah. and you know really under like picking out those intentions as to why you're actually going vegan and vegetarian mm. is like so incredibly hard yeah yeah exactly I don't think it it yeah there's so many different factors to consider to consider then onset is a really really great one to look at you know did they start to um adhere to a vegetarian or vegan diet at the onset of their eating disorder behaviors or did kind of the vegetarian veganism thing come 10 years or five years beforehand that's a good indication but also intent and kind of motivations um are they doing it for animal welfare concerns or are they doing it because they've heard that veganism is a really great way to lose weight and there is that kind of narrative online I mean I've, if you do a google there's kind of those types of um catchy media headlines that that talk about veganism in that way yeah I think it's it's the same with any sort of um alteration to your diet is like mm. the first thing that comes up is weight loss like mm. stupidly I found this so stupid that it's completely irrelevant but one of my <laughs> friends her partner is doing a PhD on um like the stability of peptides and one of them mm. that he's looking at is GLP-1 and I was like oh, I remember that from my biomed days what was it and I googled it and it was like weight loss weight loss weight loss and it's used for diabetes but I was like no like this is not this is not fun um but yeah anyway going back to uh, the relevant point um yeah I think that there is a big driver for weight loss and I think my sort of thing I guess with going vegan and going vegetarian mm. when you're going through an eating disorder is one it's very easy to be in situations where you're like oh I can't eat that because mm. like I can't I'm, I'm vegan or vegetarian um but also it kind of amplifies that restrictive mindset and if you're not in the right place it's very easy to kind of you know have all those rules and that rigidity and really 
not mm. like we've said be able to separate that from from the eating disorder um so when you've been obviously we'll, we'll talk about the pros and stuff of being vegan and vegetarian as well but um I'd like to kind of explore the whole thing um <laughs> have you kind of seen anything about maybe the potential damages that being vegan or vegetarian um, can have in recovery and or maybe the links that they might have to disordered eating yeah so I guess with a vegetarian and vegan diet there's a degree of restriction that's just naturally required just due to the nature of the diet you have mm. to um, be looking at ingredients lists and nutritional labels you have to be kind of spending that extra time at the supermarket reading through packages and stuff like that and that's just something that's a part of the diet and also when you go out for food or when you visit a family member or you're at a work function it is something that um is generally part of the conversation in terms of finding out whether you can eat something at that event Mm. um so yeah there is a very high level of cognitive restraint required, um, but also cognitive restraint is a part of eating disorders and, and eating disorder cognitions and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the overlap is seen in the literature and, and clinically. And I guess another part of that is that eating disorders love having like a vehicle to, to kind of let drive them to get them to where they want to be and sometimes veganism and vegetarianism is just that it it does allow for a kind of socially acceptable way to potentially camouflage disordered eating um and also at times vegetarianism veganism can be kind of um like celebrated as well between kind of family members and stuff like that so there's lots of different parts um to how they fit into each other um that was the thing that I was going to say is um the I think being vegan and vegetarian particularly vegan in society is almost a very noble it's like mm -hmm. wow like you know it's it's amazing that (laughs) That you must be hard yeah (laughs) yeah like oh I just I don't have I don't have the self-control or whatever I love cheese too much yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and and I feel like if you're, if you're, you know, engaging in eating disorder behaviours, um, mm. and that's the main driver as to why you're engaging in a vegan diet, then, you know, it is that sort of um, glorification of the behaviours that, kind mm. of, you know, you're you are able to have that self control and and stuff. Mm. And like you said, it's it makes it kind of socially acceptable mm. to to then engage in those behaviours. Um, mm. So I can yeah. imagine that dynamic of when people are giving you those comments is very difficult. And I think also another thing that I, would be very difficult in um, in a in a recovery place is, and this is something that I found myself because I'm vegetarian and mm. I went vegetarian um, about three years ago and it was purely because of the fact that I was away and um, I was away somewhere for Christmas and they'd got a like a whole pig and this whole pig had been out for about a week and we were still expected to eat it and I was like I'm going vegetarian and then I just stuck with it and I was like no thank you um but now I think um you know I have in my own recovery been like "Hmm, what's the sort of drivers for it Mm. but part of the reason I don't want to start eating meat is for people to be like oh 
hunger. You were vegetarian, right? Why are mm. you Even though they're meat eaters themselves, mm. they still kind of like think that it's acceptable for them to look down on me because I've started eating meat again. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of um, expectations that when you do go vegetarian or vegan that you may stay that way. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people that may not be the case, you know, they may veganism or vegetarian may have served them a purpose in their life mm-hmm. at that particular time. And that is absolutely fine. I also think about particularly veganism, it doesn't require a few people to do something really perfect. It requires kind of, a lot of people doing the best they can um, and a lot of people, you know, if it is for animal cruelty reasons, a lot of people cutting down here or there on their meat intake or something like that. So it's really not about being this perfect vegetarian or vegan. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I definitely think that could tie into the eating disorder thing in terms of having some, uh, I guess, the flexibility within a vegetarian and vegan diet um that's definitely something that can be explored um whether they're still being super rigid within the realms of that vegetarian and vegan diet yeah and that was just something that came to my mind actually as well and that nowadays you know in the society that we live in we have um i don't know whether it's the same in australia but particularly in the uk we don't really think there's a single food maybe apart from like eggs um Mm. that you can't get a vegan alternative for you know we have (laughs) so many different types of um meat replacements we've got all the different types of cheeses you could possibly wish for yogurts Mm -hmm. everything so I think if if somebody is engaging nowadays in vegan vegetarian diet um and you know they go to a social event and somebody's got you know if we're thinking about foods that maybe someone might find difficult um got all those foods out and then they're not having those I think that would be a sign of yeah I think maybe you're doing this for the wrong reasons whereas I think back in Mm -hmm. the day um it might have been you know you go to a social event and all you can have is kind of yeah some boiled potatoes yeah it was a bit easier to get away with a side salad and and stuff like that but I think with the popularization of veganism and vegetarianism particularly in the last five to ten years with all of the Mm -hmm. um the mock products um, it is it is super easy to get so many alternatives and really good alternatives as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> genuinely like a lot of them I like all of the cheeses I prefer um mm-hmm. that is some of them are so good like some of the ice creams I'm like damn is it, why are people <laughs> not just eating this anyway it's so much nicer yeah. yeah well the UK and Australia are known to be two of the best oh um, really vegan countries in terms of acceptability and, and restaurants uh-huh. particularly London is amazing for oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah I always find now um if if I go out for food I'm like okay we're not going to like a, a normal restaurant and I'll have the <laughs> vegan option we're going to a vegan place because they'll actually do nice food rather than like putting a mushroom in a bun and calling it a burger <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so you mentioned earlier um about um kind of you know vegans being asked to eat meat and that was the only way for them to access treatment um and I saw that um in your research you'd done some writing about how introducing meat and animal products to someone's diet could uh, kind of impact someone's recovery so do you mind um Mm. kind of explaining that a bit more yeah so it is super convoluted um, and I guess there are kind of a lot of ifs and buts to this mm. because it, 
particularly with developing vegetarian and vegan kind of guidelines for treating new evidence is kind of being brought up as we go on. So in terms of the reintroduction of meat, that is generally required for inpatient treatment. Um, Maybe if you are um, kind of receiving outpatient treatment, that may be a little bit easier to work with your dietitian and your psychologist in terms of developing a meal plan that you can create at home. Um, but generally speaking, the reintroduction of meat is generally required if you are in, at an inpatient stay. Um, is that because of what you can get from meat or is that sort of? Generally just because it is a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, generally a lot easier. Also in terms of being uh, there with other people, you don't want to be seen to kind of giving um, special treatment to other patients as well. You don't want them to be saying, oh, well, I'm vegetarian too or something like that. And so it it makes it a lot easier. Um, And as kind of meals are being prepared. And we also know that literature does show that vegetarians and vegans are quite tied to their identity so um in terms of their vegetarian and vegan identity that's quite something that is um quite tied to the kind of sense of self and we also know that they are more likely to feel kind of um judged by what we can kind of consider the out groups so maybe meat eaters or omnivores um so being required to eat meat again um does at times or for some people may feel like kind of a threat to their identity, the threat to who they are and their sense of self. So it is a matter of kind of untying, I guess, onset again. So when eating disorder and also the vegetarian and veganism began, motives um, as well, and then kind of their I guess, flexibility around potential reintroduction of meat and animal products um, while they are in treatment. Um, I also like to think of, you know, other ways in that, that in which that person can um, express their identity in other ways. If they are vegetarian or vegan for animal welfare, maybe, um, they could uh, be volunteer at an animal shelter or something like that, or um, they continue to implement the kind of lifestyle components of a vegetarian or vegan diet. Um, so, yeah, trying to exercise other things rather than eating. So those kind of lifestyle components to a vegetarian or vegan diet. Yeah, it's... Before I go on to what I was just going to say, I it, I don't know whether this is appropriate to say, but it almost kind of makes me think about the conversation I had with um, Iman a few weeks ago about Ramadan in that the kind of, you know, practicing Ramadan, the whole point of that is that it's meant to be like connection. I know that veganism and vegetarianism are mm-hmm. religion, um, but it's about, you know, connecting to yourself, connecting to others, connecting to um, your God and, and your religion. And actually, if that's impacting your health, you're mm. you know that that's not part of it and that shouldn't be and I think it's very similar with um with veganism in that sort of you know if your the the motivations behind it are mm. generally you know improvements to health improvements to lifestyle improvements to the planet 
um and and if you're if it's negatively impacting you because it's not optimizing your health then to me that doesn't really align with the with the vegan mm. values i don't think mm. um which is an interesting thing that i haven't thought of before and, and maybe others haven't in that you know if it is meaning that your health is being affected you know maybe you do need to take a step back or mm. reevaluate um because it isn't to be about like bettering health and the planet and stuff mm. like that but the other thing that i thought was interesting that you just mentioned was that the veganism i think particularly maybe less so than vegetarianism but i do think vegetarianism is still part of someone's identity um is you were saying how it's like such a big part of somebody's identity and often they can kind of value themselves over that and that was a really interesting concept because as part of eating disorder recovery you're trying to piece back your identity and mm. you're trying to get it back from just an eating disorder and it almost made me think is it okay for veganism to have such a core part of your identity because I you know there's the classic thing isn't it that like you walk into a room and you know within because <laughs> yeah. so they mention it mm. and I'm like is that is that okay for it to have you know for your eating practices to have such a big hold on you or is that my bias self coming from an eating disorder mm. perspective in that the way that you eat shouldn't have such a strong kind of element of your identity mm. and I just wondered about your thoughts on that yeah I guess I think about um a lot about like intent and also like where the cognitions are coming from for it to be a part of someone's identity um I think particularly vegans more so than vegetarians are kind of quite protective of veganism um because there are so kind of many jokes out there about being vegan and whatnot um so it is kind of something that they hold quite close to them um and they also do cop a lot of flack I mean I everyone as a vegan I've copped a lot of flack and and those annoying comments at family dinners and stuff like that um so yeah it's a tricky question Mm. yeah yeah and I guess it's almost I guess it's evaluating what impact it's having on your life like Mm. I was saying before and if it is you know very restrictive and and impacting you but although I don't want to make it sound like I'm like shitting on veganism because I'm (laughs) not in the slightest and I, I think it's brilliant and um yeah I think you know from my personal perspective Mm. I would like to be vegan one day but I know right now that Mm. my intentions are not in the best place and it it would be a form Mm. for me if I'm being honest of being more restrictive but I you know for so many people it is it's something that is so kind of valuable and Mm. like dear to them and one thing I always um, remember was I had a friend and then this is where like I always think about intentions when you're vegan yeah. vegetarian and she um had anorexia and she went vegan and then she bought a leather handbag and I was like yeah mm, something something's not quite adding up here for me yeah. I, I don't think this is uh, <laughs> going the right way um but yeah I was wondering if you had any thoughts in terms of um in treatment facilities mm-hmm. of sort of 
you know navigating that with somebody and maybe trying to explore their intentions a bit more because I feel like a lot of um, clinicians will be met with people that say I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian mm. um, and from your kind of you know perspective of being vegan yourself and the work that you've done if you had any tips for people to sort of have those conversations with patients to understand where their intentions are coming from yeah it's it's a tough one it is a really <laughs> tough one um I would say definite case by case um I would also again be wanting to look at kind of onset of eating disorder and the vegetarian and vegan diet motivations you know, unpacking whether it's environmental sustainability concerns animal welfare concerns but I also think that those motivations should be kind of um, explored throughout treatment as well because they may mm-hmm. kind of change or maybe insight throughout treatment um, may maybe assist in kind of intertwining those motivations mm-hmm. um, but yeah I guess a conversation needs to be had around the potential intertwining of their vegetarian and vegan diet into kind of those those eating disorder cognitions and those thoughts in terms of kind of tying back to that cognitive restraint and how their diet may be used as um kind of like a smoke screen for their for their eating disorder behaviors and then you know some people who might have been vegetarian or vegan for a really long time before the onset of the eating behaviors um that's kind of a little bit more clear cut. Um, I definitely know of clinicians who will kind of be like, I'm pretty satisfied by that once explored that, that they're they're not related. Um, But yeah, a lot of unpacking, I guess, needs to happen in those um, first few sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I think you often can tell um, when, where someone's intentions are coming from. Um, Mm -hmm. especially after maybe like those deep deeper conversations and I almost wonder if and this maybe comes on to um, the other piece of work that you're doing in your PhD but we need to have more sort of understanding and awareness around veganism and vegetarianism in order Mm -hmm. to make those sort of um, valid kind of decisions around it in terms of I don't know, I'm just thinking that if you had somebody that was vegan or vegetarian themselves, maybe they would understand the, I guess, complexities of, of being vegan and vegetarian or maybe the um, kind of like thoughts that come along with it in terms of the importance of it to somebody. Because as somebody that's maybe mm. not vegan or vegetarian, um, asking somebody to eat meat, you know, like we were saying earlier, because it's going to promote your recovery would seem mm. like a really flippant and easy thing to do. But as somebody that doesn't eat meat, you can appreciate like, okay, one, you're being, you know, if we're talking about anorexia here, you're being asked to, well, I guess all eating disorders, um, all eating disorders, you probably need to start increasing what you're eating, um, you know, more regularly. So one, you're being asked to eat on a more regular basis, but two, you're being asked to eat something that goes against all your beliefs. Mm, exactly. um, so not only have you got the eating disorder in your mind, like you're doing, you're like, this is really bad, you're doing this really bad. But then you've got like all the thoughts about being vegan and that mm. you're, those sort of like internal thoughts and maybe thoughts from 
outsiders as well in terms of yeah. like, oh, well, why do you have to start eating meat just to recover? Because you could do recovery as a vegan. Mm. Um, so mm. I can imagine that would make recovery incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think as a vegan, I think there would be like a, a degree of like a traumatization as well being mm. asked, um, and and being asked to eat meat or animal products again. So, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a tough one. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's also I guess important to consider like the quantity of food if if it is say maybe an outpatient. Um, in terms of if they are going ahead with the vegetarian or vegan diet, just the volume of food that is required um, to like when refeeding. Um, so, you know, those large amounts of maybe if it's lentils or, or chickpeas or whatever it may be, um, if you are eating kind of a tin of those, they may make you feel a bit yeah. sluggish and, and you may be having to eat super large quantities which in itself may be really hard so it is kind of balancing that um or becoming you know a good friend with more of those mock meats and those kind of heavier calorie dense um kind of processed plant-based foods Mm. yeah and um one thing that actually that's just brought to my mind is when i first started having like the corn do you guys have corn yes yes we do yeah like Mm -hmm. the corn mints Mm. um particularly you have to have like so much (laughs) more of that compared to mints because of the fat content in order to get the same amount of calories the same amount Mm. of nutrients that you need from it um and that to me was quite a shock when I first started having it and I think it would be very easy to have you know if, if let's say your your family aren't vegetarian and you're cooking your own food it would be very easy to mask oh I'm actually you know eating a lot less but the portion sizes look the same Mm. um and another thing in terms of uh maybe you're you're not having the the mock meats but you're having lentils and and things like that I personally can't have lentils because it makes my IBS so bad and IBS is obviously something that when you've engaged in restrictive diets can be something very common um and a lot of the you know whether it's lentils pulses beans things like that they've got a lot of fiber in them and then Mm. I think that as a you know personal anecdote I found having those meals and like you said in the larger quantities that you need that then kind of messes with my head and body dysmorphia and things like that because I feel so much larger so much more full um Mm -hmm. so that's actually yeah that's not something I thought but that's a really important consideration in terms of the psychological aspects of the food that you're eating and how that makes you feel um but then equally I can appreciate that if I had to start eating meat that would also make me feel not very nice and internally so yeah it's a hard one isn't it yeah yeah it's super convoluted super convoluted Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah so I wanted to speak to you a little bit about um, the other piece of work that you're doing within your PhD. So um, I think you were talking about like eating disorder measures and questionnaires and how, you know, it's particularly the EDEQ, how that maybe at the moment is not really answer, asking the right questions or the, the answers could be taken in a kind of, it, not the right way when you're thinking about vegan and vegetarian diets. 
Yeah, well, if we go back to cognitive restraint that I kind of talked about before, and we know that that cognitive restraint is a large part of being vegetarian or vegan, kind of just naturally due to the nature of the diet. And it's also a big part of an eating disorder. And it's also generally questions that are um, included in eating disorder screeners or eating disorder instrument. There's questions in there. Do you exclude large portions of food from your diet or do you regularly um, exclude different food groups or do you restrict different food groups? Um, there's also questions in there that ask about like external people's views in terms of your eating. Like the EDEQ has one about, um, maybe it's not the EDEQ. There are questions in there about um, does your family think you're eating enough? Um, or do you get comments from your family members about what you're eating? And I think um, many vegetarians and vegans would probably say yes if they haven't got a vegan or vegetarian family. Um, I know personally I get the the odd comment again about, oh, I don't know, do you want meat on your plate or whatever it may be? So kind of those types of comments that may be kind of construed or people may think that those eating disorder instruments may be picking up on in addition to those cognitive restraint questions as well. Um, so we did look at a number of um, eating disorder questionnaires in terms of the validity and reliability of these scales in separate groups of vegetarians and vegans. And we found that while um, they did kind of have mixed um, support for their use, um, the kind of theoretical assumptions or the theories that make up these instruments weren't able to be applied to vegetarian and vegan groups. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where the final phase of my PhD research does come in, um, where I am developing and validating a novel eating disorder screener tool for vegetarian and vegan groups. So super exciting work. Um, it is taken a few years now um so it kind of was developed in four phases so um it uh using both kind of qualitative and quantitative research so a lot of interviews with people with lived eating disorder experience um clinicians so uh, dietitians and psychologists um, and then a range of kind of dietary adherences. So people who are all throughout the meat avoidance spectrum and also omnivores. Um, and that's how I've kind of developed this screen now using multiple different faces that I've kind of dipped into throughout the way. Um, in terms of what the screener looks like, um, we have kind of the usual um, like questionnaires that kind of can be questions that can I be rated along kind of like a rating system. But we've also included, which is really interesting, a number of items or questions within the screener that um, kind of are like respondent characteristic questions is kind of what we're going with. So we do look at identity. So we kind of get respondents to rate with agreement in terms of how closely they feel their diet is a part of their identity. And I'll start by saying that these, these questions don't necessarily in and of themselves um, highlight any eating pathology, 
But with the rest of the screen art, these questions give really, really good insight into if someone was scoring highly on the rest of the screener. So if someone was kind of having a red flag for eating disorder pathology and they were ticking that their vegetarian or vegan diet was a large part of their identity, it does give um, treating clinicians kind of a good place to start, like a good good kind of background to start. Um, there's also a few other questions in there about um like willingness or flexibility around the potential reintroduction of meat if it was necessary for survival. Um, we've found that vegans are kind of scoring a little bit on the higher side of these questions. So most vegans are saying no to this question. If it was required for their survival, they wouldn't reintroduce meat. Um, so it does give really good kind of background information into what the general vegetarian or vegan is rating and what this person is rating if then accompanied by high scores on the screener. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting and that is always a question that comes up in terms of it's always from me teachers of like, oh well, you know, if that was the only option you had, would you eat it? So I thought, <laughs> kind of deserted <laughs> island. <laughs> yeah, come on. Like I'm sure you do like some rogue things if you're on a dessert. <laughs> oh, you can't be that much of a vegan then. It's like, okay, cool. Like, you just enjoy your chicken. Um, yeah. But I think that's really great that you have not just kind of devised a questionnaire that's like, would you eat this? Would you eat that? Would you eat this? Hmm. But almost looking at the intentions behind it. And that I think will be so useful, particularly in clinical settings where you do see a high proportion of people presenting as vegan and vegetarian to really understand what's going on behind that mm. action um, and those eating behaviours. And I'm sure that will help, you know, so many people. And it's interesting what you say about the current questionnaires, because I think in general, the current questionnaires need adapting anyway, because they're very mm. specific to particular um, particular behaviours. Um, mm. So that's mm. really interesting. So is this going to be like a one kind of almost like an, an EDEQ um, that you then kind of roll out and is it just like a one-off questionnaire or did, did you say that it's going to be something that's like regularly checked throughout treatment? Yeah, it's designed at this stage as a screener. So we'd love for it to mm -hmm. be implemented into kind of uh, primary healthcare settings um, mm -hmm. as kind of initial screening, um, particularly with the... the um, addition of those pre-screening questionnaire or those um, item characteristic um, questions that we've got in there. Um, they provide a really good kind of first glance for treatment to kind of progress mm -hmm. from there. So some good insights there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then have, have you kind of done anything in terms of, I guess, I guess what's the outcome of the questionnaire going to be like is it like a yes they're a true vegan no they're doing it because they're eating disorder or like what's the outcome of that yeah it definitely doesn't unpack that much <laughs> I would love for it to kind of give all the answers um 100% like vegan yeah, yeah. <laughs> fake no not a fake vegan no I wouldn't say that but um yeah it, it definitely doesn't it it I, the the questionnaire doesn't use vegetarian or vegan within the actual items. I talk about your diet or um, the way you eat. Um, so it doesn't actually kind of, I, I didn't want it to 
potentially bias people that it's targeted towards their diet. So um, I've tried to be quite neutral in, in the wording that I've used. Um, yeah, I, I would hope that it would give kind of treating clinicians a little bit more clarity um, in terms of where that person's headspace is at in terms of how their vegetarian or vegan diet is kind of fulfilling them. And then there's also kind of the eating disorder pathology part of the screener. Yeah. I love that you haven't sort of used that terminology in like the vegan and vegetarian, because I think like we were saying earlier, it's such a big part of your identity Mm -hmm. and actually being a bit more open about that in terms of like the foods that you eat or like the the diet that you have Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's, I imagine if somebody said, you know, are you vegan? Yes or no. Like mm. that's a very clear cut thing. You're going to want to say yes. Whereas if it's like, you know, how do you approach this kind of yeah. food or whatever? Mm. It's it's mm. much more open-minded and people maybe will be a bit more honest with it or it just kind of gives that bigger picture of somebody's eating practices rather than, yes, I'm vegan. No, I don't eat meat. Like very like basic yeah. kind of questions along there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we hope that as I may have mentioned at the start, kind of vegan and vegetarian eating disorder research is just so new. Like it is absolutely in its infancy stage. Um, There's really not a lot out there. And what there is out there is predominantly cross-sectional and most of it's correlational as well. So there's not really a great deal amount of high quality research out there looking at vegetarian vegan in and eating disorders um so you know with this screener we can then look at prevalence there's a lot of kind of estimates of eating disorder prevalence throughout the vegetarian and vegan community but we know that these eating disorder tools that we're currently using may not be appropriate for these groups. Mm. So, um, yeah, being able to estimate eating disorder prevalence in these groups would be um, a really exciting next step. Um, And also looking at guidelines as well. There's no treating guidelines for these groups. Mm. Um, I think the UK has a consensus statement. I think the Royal College of Psychiatrists has a consensus statement and that's pretty much all that's out there um in terms of what do you mean by a consensus statement it is about i think it's like a four or five page document kind of just laying the land of of the relationship um there's no kind of general treatment guidelines for these groups um yeah Which in a way, obviously, is not great for people that are currently going through that uh, because Mm -hmm. there's no like specific guidelines. But in a way that it makes me kind of optimistic when things are not currently set in stone, because I think we're going through a real, really exciting stage in the moment at the moment with eating disorders where we're kind of understanding that everything's so individualized and Mm. um you know you I think you just have to look at sort of things like the DSM-5 and they're very Mm. kind of you have this diagnosis so therefore you're in this bucket and we're going to treat you with this but actually you know from from my kind of personal experience and doing this podcast you know you'll speak to somebody that's been diagnosed with 
anorexia but then they have tendencies of orthorexia or they have mm. they're binge eating and stuff like that and it's it to me feels like we're very sort of like an eating disorder we're very rigid and mm. like very inflexible with those diagnoses but actually when kind of there is no guidelines you know for things like um supporting someone with an eating disorder with vegan and who's vegan or vegetarian it's like well that's actually kind of exciting because we are realizing that it all needs to be individual and you know like with Mm. your questionnaire in terms of determining where someone's at with their relationship with food and and how they can be supported rather than just okay you're vegan so you get this meal plan and you know actually you can't be vegan you've got to eat meat it's about exploring the individual so Mm. yeah trying to be optimistic but that to me is quite exciting Mm. yeah yeah definitely um i think the future of vegetarian and vegan eating disorder research is is super exciting because there's just so much that can be done Mm -hmm. um in the field because kind of starting from scratch over here like we're we're doing the basics um even like some longitudinal stuff would be would be really Mm -hmm. awesome um as i said it's all cross-sectional there's only one retrospective chart review study but otherwise that's pretty that's that's as that's as detailed as it gets yeah Yeah. so what would be your sort of like hope and dream for the research (laughs) that you're doing what what, what's kind of like because you said you're coming to the end because what's your like next step or your dream yeah I mean prevalence rates would be be an awesome one because I really think that would um give everyone a good kind of idea of what we're actually looking at rather than just mm-hmm. kind of all these these estimates and estimates that are online um and then some some longitudinal stuff would be would be really awesome looking at um I guess how people's attitudes towards veganism kind of dips and waves over time if they are vegetarian and also flexibility and rigid rigidity in terms of within their diet as well would be really awesome to explore in terms of how kind of that rigid side within the realms of a vegetarian diet can can Mm. maybe play with with eating pathology yeah yeah i think that would be interesting i think something i was thinking of as well is like treatment outcomes in terms of like comparing Mm. it from meat eaters to non-meat eaters to kind of see the impact maybe that has and then also if you're like I don't know if this would be possible because I feel like this would be unethical actually now I'm (laughs) saying it but like people that are vegan vegetarian that have to eat meat as part of their recovery compared Mm. to people that don't like to think about the treatment outcomes there but then 50% mm. of the people would have to be forced to eat meat so yeah even some qualitative <laughs> stuff around mm. there would be really really great um kind of anecdotally exploring um mm. yeah people's attitudes to that now that they are maybe in recovery and mm. Mm. yeah maybe retrospectively so you don't have to be forced to force them <laughs> um yeah but um Courtney that's been so good to chat to you um I think that was a really interesting exploration because I think when I first heard about your PhD I was just like well I don't think anyone should be vegan or vegetarian when they're in recovery <laughs> it's like kind of what are you doing and actually it was really interesting to explore with you like why 
um mm. or like you know the, the reasons why somebody obviously would still want to engage in their practices yeah. during their recovery and that it you know with the right support which hopefully with your um screening tools and, and then more awareness in treatment facilities I think you know it is something that's possible um where can people um find out more about you and follow the research that you're doing yeah definitely jump on my twitter that's where I post and can um update all of my research and and my studies and um kind of my journey my phd journey on there so definitely jump on to my twitter and um follow along on there well thank you so much Courtney it's been an absolute pleasure um yeah thank you very much thank you I've had a blast (laughs) if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.